0: Hey, what's up today? It's great to have you. Let me just say this before I welcome everyone. Um, Next Sunday, everyone say next Sunday. Next Next Sunday. How many of you believe prayer is important? Let me see your hands. Uh, So next Sunday is our first Sunday prayer meeting. And so I really want to encourage you, um, if you have your cell phone here and your calendar, to just pull that out. This is one time you get to do that um, with you know, permission, (laughs) and write down next Sunday night, 6.30 to 7.30 at the TC, we're having our monthly first Sunday prayer meeting, and I would love to have you come. And let's just pray for us. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for this city. How many of you think those things are important? And so there's something special about coming together in corporate prayer. Um, where we add our agreement to one another. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Put it in your calendar right now so you don't forget. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hand and our ushers will get you one. Welcome to part five of Family Life. If this is your first time here, we're glad you're here. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you want to welcome the live stream audience today. Hey, let's give them a hand out there in uh, live stream land. Thanks for tuning in. I know people travel, and oftentimes they're away or home dealing with issues with children or sickness, and that's just a great opportunity to be able to still be a part of a service even if you're not able to make it. So over the past several weeks, we have been talking about the family, and uh, we've talked about raising our kids and changing sort of the marriage landscape, if you will, um, whether you've been married for, you know, a couple of weeks, whether you're engaged or thinking about it, whether you've been married for, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, how many have you been married for over 30 years? Let me see your hands. Awesome. How many have you been married over 40 years? Let me see your hands. Awesome. Hey, Mrs. Smith, what's up? Come on, put that hand up. Yeah. <laughs> or are you not married anymore? <laughs> Woo! So, yeah, uh, whether, whatever the case may be, and, and even if you're single today, you can extract some of the principles I'm talking about and apply them. Uh, oftentimes, the principles, pr- principles of Scripture are transferable, and they really speak to every area of our life, and they can be applied to every area of our life. So, I want to encourage you to pay good attention, whether you're married or single. Whether you've been married for a week or you know 50 years, anybody been married over 50 years? No, I didn't think so. Yeah, Vicky and I are the old folks in the church. I think. Yeah. No. Well, how how long have you been married? 45. 45. You got us beat. Yes. Let's give him a hand. Come on. Yeah. 45 years. Vicki and I have been married 43, going on 44, going on 68. Right? No, just kidding. So. Um, the, the whole idea that I came up with, just the whole family life concept, um, has seemed to have struck a nerve. Uh, Lance and I have received um, uh, just a ton of positive feedback. And so uh, we're walking this out, and uh, i going to continue this a little longer. Um, as I said last week, um, I think that this stuff applies to every dimension of life. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, Family life for many doesn't seem to be working out very well. And marriages, even Christian marriages, seem to be under an extreme amount of pressure, um, an extreme amount of attack. Um, I, I see the enemy at work in a lot of homes that. Even some homes that were once solid and and strong and vibrant, um, sort of under attack and under extreme pressure. And uh, so Christian families oftentimes find themselves in this chaos and this conflict, um, sort of in an unprecedented way. And I believe, even in the midst of all of that, that God still wants to give us and help us achieve strong, and vibrant marriages. Yep. Can I get a get a good amen? Get a, get, a get a good amen. How's that? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I believe that with all my heart. I believe God still wants to do some things in and work in our lives and over the past few weeks we've been trying to resolve this question of who is building our marriages. Who, who is the builder of Our our marriage. Who is the builder of our homes and who is the builder of our families? Who who is that? Because the the psalmist actually said in Psalm 127, he said, he said this: He said, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. And and there's no doubt about that. I've seen people try to do this thing called marriage on their own. And it not turn out real well, and so perhaps that 's you, perhaps you 've been trying to do this on your own, perhaps you 've been you know trying to just you know pull your bootstraps up and get her done um, all on your own, without god 's help, without you know really getting into the source and the architect of of our houses and our homes and our marriages see, and you 've been doing it all on your own and and the, and the psalmist said if you 're doing that. Your, your efforts are wasted. In other words, they're not going to pay off. And so I want to encourage you to let God build your marriage. Amen? To let him be the architect. To let him be the general contractor, if you will. To use some building terms. I, I, just, just a little while ago, I told you a couple of weeks ago that Vicki and I had sold our house. Um, and just a little while ago, somebody came to see our house when it was still in the market before it sold, and we have this thing called Ring. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Where you can actually see people approaching your door, and these people, <laughs> it's like spying, but it's okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's my house, right? And so these people came up to the door, and they, you know, they were talking, and Vicky and I could hear them because we could see, and you can interact with them if you want. You can actually talk to them. That freaks them out, just so you know all of a sudden and so uh so i said our vicky said did you hear what they said and i, I said what was that and she said they asked who the builder was and and the, the gal said i don't know but it's built well so of course it was us uh, we built the house we designed the house and all of that but it just underscores the idea that it, the builder is important amen The the builder of your marriage, the builder of your heart, the builder of your relationships are so important because you can, you can get that information from all sorts of other sources about the idea of what marriage looks like, you know, and oftentimes it's based on selfish patterns, say, and if you buy into that and use those materials to build your house or your home or your marriage, then it's only a matter of time before it comes tumbling down. How many of you know that? So we've been talking about, you know, the whole idea between the Lord building the house. And so today I want to continue to build a strong foundation with the idea, once again, that great marriages are no accident. They are on purpose. Next week I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the secrets that Vicky and I have sort of extrapolated or extracted over the last 43 years some things that, you know, as we've sat together and talked over the years, we have sort of arrived at some conclusions of what has helped us have a solid, great marriage, okay? And so next week, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, They've been put to the test for over four decades, so I can tell you that they will be helpful to you and will add value to your marriage or value to your relationships. As I mentioned last week, Vicki and I, you know, we, we committed our life to Christ and got married within a couple of months of each other in 1976, and uh, we, we just, you know, expected to have a great marriage because we were Christians. Um, little did we know that we were going to have issues, and so, you know, if you don't understand how God created mankind, you're going to oftentimes get very, very disappointed and the outcome. The Bible teaches us that mankind is made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so, and and I say it like this, many of you heard me say this, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Let's all say that together. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. If you understand that, you can understand how you can be a Christian and fight like animals. (laughs) you know because when you when you become born again or you surrender your life to the Lord and you become a Christian the the Bible teaches us that our spirit is becomes alive okay but there's two other parts that needs to come along too right and the Bible tells us that our soul and our body needs to be transformed Along the way, oftentimes by the renewing of our mind. Okay, so so that's the problem: our emotions, our mind, our will, all of that. All of that, even though our spirit is saying, "God, I love you, I worship you, I want to do what's right," our our soul gets in the way. And so little did we know that we were going to spend the next few years fighting like dogs. You know, just just you know, not getting along and tearing things up, and you know, just fighting. And uh, a whole lot of disappointment and a whole lot of hurt. And so we oftentimes try to prove each other wrong. You know, I'm right, you're wrong, that kind of a thing. It was an extremely difficult start, as I said last week. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning, and I said this last week, if you're here this morning and you're struggling with your marriage, there is hope for you. There is hope for you, amen? And so it's just a matter of understanding what that looks like, why you're experiencing some of the things that you are, and going to the right source for the answers, and applying them, and renewing your mind, and training your body to live in concert with your spirit. Does does everyone understand that? Amen? So, when you do that, then you start to experience the love of God, and the unity of God, and things start to turn around. So, Um, You have to really allow the Holy Spirit to show you a new way. And as I said last week, more of the same, what? Will not bring change, right? That's why things have to change. You have to make a decision. And so last week, I challenged each of us. How many of you were here last week or watched it by? Okay, good. Um, So last week, I challenged all of us, including myself, to ask the Holy Spirit to show you one thing. Everyone say one thing. To show you one thing you could change, and hopefully, hopefully each of you took it seriously enough to do that. Um, For me, for me, I was asking the Holy Spirit this on Monday, and I said, I said, what, what is that one thing I can change? And the one thing that I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me is, is to be more patient, to be more patient. And um, I started to realize that my patient, patience meter, um, had lacked lately, and was slipping, and I was getting, you know, my fuse was getting a little short, and so on and so forth. And, and it had affected, it affected and hindered my marriage. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit challenged me to work on that. And here's the deal. Here's the cool part. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit says, I want to help. How many of you know that's the truth? God wants to help you. So, God, it, this is the cool thing about God, is He doesn't just show you Something you need to change, he actually shows you and then helps you change. Isn't that a cool thing? He shows you. He, he shows you what needs to change and he gives you the power to change that. It's not you don't have to do this on your own, but you do have to yield to him, and you do have to you know be intentional about that in your life. So my question is you is how about you? How how about you? Did did you ask the Holy Spirit? How, what are you working on? What are you working on? Hopefully you did that this week. How many of you did it? Let me see your hands. For real. Oh, come on, stick them way up so I can see you. Okay, good. All right, the rest of you sinners. <laughs> uh, the rest of you can do that this week. <laughs> Amen? Because that, that's, the stuff, that's the stuff that will help change our lives. When we, when we pause and we say, God, what can I do? What do I need to do? How can I change? Now, I notice I didn't say, you know, what do you want your spouse to work on? (laughs) I said, what are you working on? Because, you know, if we continue to point the finger, we're going to continue to get in trouble and not have the marriage that God has for us. Now, let me just say this, until you look in the mirror and Say, God, where do I need to change? I think there's a slide there. Where do I need to change? Things will stay the same. And how many of you don't want things to stay the same? Let me see your hands. You want to change. All right, good. You can't play the blame game. Don't, don't sit around and blame your wife or your husband for the way things are. Don't ever get into that. I told you last week about the personal revelation that saved our marriage. <laughs> when God said to me, quit focusing on what she's not doing and focus on what you are supposed to be doing. Talked about reading someone else's mail. Um, How many of you know marriage is not 50-50? See, that's the thing that God showed me back in 1978 when I was having this hissy fit in the garage about the woman God gave me. Uh, God showed me it's not 50-50. Glenn, you're waiting for her to make a move before you make a move. And as long as you do that, nothing's going to change. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you give 100% regardless of what she does or doesn't do. And watch what I do with that. And I want to challenge you to do that in your own relationship. Give 100%. Not waiting for, you know, well, I did it last time. Now it's your turn. No, no, don't do that. Things get crazy and awkward and it doesn't yield the fruit. So today I want to circle back real quick to a portion of scripture I shared last week. And that's Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. It says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. And through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I want you to notice, once again, before we move on, there are three critical factors that have to be in play for God to be able to build your house. It's first of all knowledge, understanding, second. And number three, wisdom. Now, if you don't engage these things, chances are things are not going to work like God intended for it to work. First of all, you gain knowledge. In other words, you're hungry. Everyone say hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry to change this relationship. I'm hungry to be closer to the Lord. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God to move in my marriage and God to move in my home. And I'm hungry enough to get some knowledge not to just, you know, pretend and expect God to wave a magic wand and everything's going to be perfect. I'm hungry enough to get that knowledge. And then I'm going to let it simmer inside of me and meditate on it. That's where the understanding comes in. And then, then I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to give me proper application as I, as I walk with Him and He shows me the way of how to make that change like He did this week for me with this whole patience thing. I said, God, what, what, what can I, what's that one thing I can do to change? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to be more patient and I'll help you with that. See, it's at this moment when you've had those three things come to you, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, it's at this moment that you have a choice to make. The Holy Spirit gives you a chance to change the trajectory of your marriage. And how many of you know you, you have to make that decision? He won't make it for you. Is anyone out there? You have to make that decision as the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you and the Lord starts to move in your heart. You have to make a decision. You have a chance to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to do this instead in your relationship. And that's where the whole math equation comes into play. And that's what I said last week. Information plus application equals transformation. See, Because you've got the information now. You've, you've read some books. You've listened to some podcasts. You've read some, some of your, your Bible. You've, you've got some good insight. You've been meditating on it. Now all of a sudden, you have to make a decision. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to continue to act like I've always acted in that situation? Or God, are you going to help me change some things here? And that's what God wants to do. So, now let's talk about these three perspectives where we lost, left, off, left off last week. Three perspectives that I believe can change your marriage. They're foundational. These, these, this is the bedrock, if you will, that a good, solid, vibrant, strong marriage is built on. Okay? These three things. that can I actually learned these years ago and have applied them to our lives over the last four decades. First of all, uh, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Now, if if you look at it as a contract, which most people do in our society, um, things don't go well. The writer of Malachi, um, actually in the Old Testament, last book of the Old Testament, um, gives us some inc- insight to this whole idea. Verse thirteen says, "Another thing you do: you flood the altar, you flood the Lord's altar with your tears. You weep, you wail, because He no longer pays attention." To your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? In other words, God, why are you acting like this God? And he responds, he responds and says, because I was acting as a witness between you and your wife, the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner and the wife of your marriage, what? The wife of your marriage covenant. Notice, God attended your wedding. Did you know that? God attended your wedding, whether you invited Him or not. And He sees your marriage, listen to me, He sees your marriage as a covenant. Covenant, we don't understand that whole word these days. Covenant is a very serious thing. And He sees your marriage as a covenant. In our current culture, we see marriage as a contract. You know, it's a contract. They're, contracts are written, you know, often with loopholes, right? There, there's loopholes to, to provide a way out if certain conditions aren't met. But a covenant's completely different. How many of you know that? A covenant's serious. You know, when we made vows, when you got, how many of you had vows when you got married? You said stuff like, you know, to, to have and to hold... Um, for, till death do us part, for rich or for poor, whatever, um, you know, sickness and in health. In other words, I'm, 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 I'm committed to you for life till death do us what? Part. How many of you made some vows similar to that? Okay. And probably some more words that you could add into there. So, so covenant, let me give you the definition of a covenant. Covenant is based on commitment. Contract, let's back up here. Contract is based on performance and condition notice notice the difference a contract is based on on condition if everything's you know goes right if if you know you perform up to my standards but on the other hand a covenant and this is so important for you to buy into i can't make you buy into this but if you want to buy into the word of god then you need to buy into what god says and covenant is so critical because covenant has nothing to do with performance. It has nothing to do with condition. It has everything to do with the fact that you made a commitment. You have promised something. You promise something. And in this day and age, that doesn't mean a whole lot. People make promises like, you know, like they're nothing, and they have no intention of fulfilling them. And it's sad that we have a, a culture and a society that that's just common. But as Christians, how many of you know we've got to buy into something different? God expects us as his kids to live in concert and in sync with the word of God and to live differently. How many of you think Christians ought to live differently? Let me see your hands. Yeah well, this includes this. See, covenant, it's, 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 it's critical. And the marriage that's based on a contract has a weak foundation. How many of you know a house is only as strong as the foundation? It re- for real, yeah. I mean, one of the first things they look at when you're looking at a house and the inspection is what does the foundation look like? Is it strong? Is there cracks? Or, you know, is it caving in? Is it out of square? Is it out of level? And this is so foundational because the, 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 the marriage that's based on a contract has a weak foundation on which to build. Because the, if certain expectations aren't met, you just exercise the loophole and get a divorce. Now, get me another one. <laughs> and and, and if, you, if that's you, I don't want to put you down or any of that. I'm just simply saying that that's oftentimes the attitude in our society. So, the marriage is based on a covenant now. Check this out. The marriage is based on a covenant, however, has a strong foundation on which to build. Very strong. Why? Because it's, it's not going to change. My relationship with Vicki is based on my commitment to her to live with her and love her and cherish her till death do us heart do you hear me my goal as a pastor like I said before is not to have the biggest church in the city or to be well known or write tons of books or make a lot of money whatever my goal is to stay married to this woman until I draw my last breath and to be faithful to her and never cheat on her and to love her like Christ loved the church that's my goal amen See, the marriage based on a covenant has a strong foundation. Why? Because a covenant, covenant is the glue. Everyone say glue. Covenant is the glue that keeps you stuck together when things get tough. You know, when I, when I think, you know, we're having struggles and difficulties, and, and I just remember my covenant. Did you hear me? I just remember, you know what? I, <laughs> we may be bickering right now. Has anyone ever bickered? Let me see your hands. Any Christians out there ever bickered with their wife or husband? Let me see your hands. Yeah. yeah Bill, Bill's got both hands up, both feet. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just remember my covenant. Everyone say covenant. See, it's the glue. It's the glue that keeps us kind of, you know, stuck. See, once you realize that you're stuck and there's no way out. Right? I mean, to some that sounds morbid or, you know, negative, but it's the truth. See, once I realize that there's no way out of this relationship, it causes me to face my problems and start to work on them. Mm -hmm. I ask myself the question, do I want to live in hell for the rest of my life, or do I want to work this out? (laughs) Right? Because there's no way out. I don't mean that literally, but... But you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know. So here's the deal. Divorce is not an option for the Christian marriage. It's just not an option for us. See, uh, Vicky and I made a decision when we first got married years ago. Well, probably two years in before we figured this out. That we would never, ever mention the word divorce. That there's, you know, there's a line, so to speak, that we won't go below. And we will never mention it. It will never come off our lips because it's not an option for us. And how many of you know, when you start throwing those words around, chances are, chances are that someday you will exercise the loophole. So you have to be very careful with your words, right? See, God hates divorce. Now, I know there's very, you know, there's a few exceptions like adultery and Abuse, don't misunderstand me. I know there's 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 some exceptions there, but I'm talking about just you can't you're just not getting along, so you're just you just get a new one. Okay. Here's here's what I found out. People people that do that continue to have problems. Those problems follow them. When you don't learn to work out your your conflict, and I'm gonna be talking about this in, in some weeks ahead, okay? You don't work out your conflict, when you don't learn the art of working through conflict. And not destroying each other, you'll, you're bound to repeat it over and over again. So I've seen people, you know, do that, get a divorce, get a new one, and within two years they're back in the same situation, arguing and fighting and can't get along. See, now I didn't say God God, God hates divorce, but God doesn't hate divorced people. Amen. He loves divorced people, <laughs> and he cares about them and wants to help rebuild their lives. Every one of us, but every one of us that are married, are in a covenant relationship. And God witnessed that. So we need to take it very seriously, our covenants. We need to take them very seriously and honor the commitment that we made before the Lord. It's a very serious thing. Second, second foundational point is at marriage, when you walk down the aisle like Judah described today, saw his beautiful bride coming towards him, when, that, when he did that, God makes The two individual lives into one flesh. Here's where that scripture is in the Bible Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become what? One flesh. They will become one flesh. See, God does a miracle. Uh, That's why I love performing weddings. It's just there's a miracle that happens right before my eyes. God does a miracle at marriage. He takes the two individual lives and he fuses them into a brightly burning partnership. Wow. And makes them one. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the unity candle, right? Honey, won't you help me here? Um, It's, How many of you had a unity candle or some sort of idea around that idea? Okay, okay. Let me see your hands. If you did. Okay, most of you. All right. So, at marriage, we took the two. This represents me. That represents her. Okay? We take the, the two individual lives. And God, come on. Help. Work with me. Come on. Work with me. Don't be rebellious now. We're in front of all these people. All right? All right. So... Alright, so he takes the two individual lives and he fuses them into a brightly burning partnership, right? And then we phew, supposed to blow out our candle. Now we are what? One. One, right? But here's the deal, and this is the principle that you have to understand. From that moment forward, the enemy, everyone say the enemy, the enemy. wants to take, come here baby, I'm not done. <laughs> Sorry. Um... <laughs> see what she has to put up with? From that moment forward, the enemy wants to take the miracle of oneness and make it into two again. Did you hear me? He, want, he wants to blow out your candle, okay? He wants, he wants to just simply blow out that candle, and then he... Go ahead and take that candle, baby. All right, Just go your separate way. He wants you to go your separate ways. see. You know and do your own thing and then typically it won't be long before your candle gets blown out and you're miserable and you can't stand living now sometimes it's different but that's that's the way it works most of the time thank you thank you babe listen he wants to blow out your candle listen to me understand that understand that whole concept that he wants to blow out your candle. He want, his goal is to divide and conquer. His goal is to get you to think that each other is your problem. See, he wants me to buy into the, the mental thoughts and the idea that Vicki is my problem. It's her. It's just her. You know, she'd get her act together. Why is she doing that? You know, why does she make me do that? All that stuff. You know what I'm talking about. You probably heard those voices. You probably said those things. It's him. He's a jerk. We're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks, okay? But hear me now. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, check this out. Our struggle is not. Everyone say not. <laughs> say it real loud, Not. Our struggle is not, my struggle is not against Vicki Smith. It's against the enemy. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. It's against the enemy. The enemy wants to come in all sorts of, of ways. He comes as, the Bible says he comes as an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. He'll drop thoughts into your mind that, that seem correct and right and just and legit but the whole idea is to divide and conquer. is to get you at odds with one another. And then it goes on in that same chapter and talks about the weapons of our warfare. See, here's the problem I've seen for years. People taking the weapons of their warfare and killing each other with them. Instead of both uniting together to take the weapons of their warfare and destroying the enemy in their marriage. Standing against The schemes and the strategies of hell. Amen? See, God wants to equip us to overcome all the things the enemy throws at us. And we get at odds with one another about it. We think each other's the problem. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. See, he has succeeded in your life when you buy the lie. And number three foundation. We're talking foundations here, okay? These are foundations on which to build. This is not the house. This is not the building. This is the foundation. The third one, and this is critical, guys, our marriage success or failure is determined by the seeds we sow. When Vicky and I caught this, we, it, it was a game changer. That our marriage success or failure were going to be determined by the seeds we sow. Galatians 6, Listen to this. Read it in your your Bible or your notes or on the screen. Do not be mocked or do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, what? Reaps what he sows. Goes on to say, the one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from that spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Did you know that you can actually, and I said this last week, you can actually predict the kind of marriage you will have in the future by the type of seeds that you sow today? Did you hear me? And you can apply this to any area of life, okay? You can determine, you can actually predict the kind of life or the kind of marriage the kind of relationships you have in the future by the types of seeds that we sow today. Everyone say today. Say today matters. today matters. Just let that simmer for a second. One more time. Say today matters. Today matters. See, today matters. Galatians 8.22 talks about seed time and harvest. It says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. In other words, it's still in motion. There's a the law of reciprocity. Whatever Whatever you sow will grow. It's, you know, whatever you put in the ground, everything must produce after its own kind. You plant corn, you get corn. How many of you know that by now? You don't get tomatoes. Wouldn't that be a wacky world? You plant corn, you get corn. You plant tomatoes, you get tomatoes. You plant melons, you get what? Melons. You plant, you know, in the good, you plant forgiveness. Guess what you get? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You plant kindness, you get kindness. You plant consideration, you get consideration. You plant bitterness, you get bitterness. You plant selfishness, you get selfishness. You plant criticism, guess what you get? Criticism. There's three different ways that we sow our seeds. I don't think these are in your notes, but you can write them down. Three primary ways are our words, our attitudes, And our actions. This is how we sow our seeds our words, our attitudes, and our actions. Do you know that the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue? Do you know that the Bible talks about putting a guard over our lips? And if we don't, the Bible says literally we can ruin our lives? Words, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Words. We just let words slip off. Those hateful, hurtful, demeaning words in the midst of battle. See, you ne- need to learn how to fight fair. <laughs> some of you say, well, you fight in marriage? Yeah, yeah you do. You have these little disagreements. But you need, you need to have some lines that you don't cross. Did you hear me? Watch your word? Watch your mouth? What are you doing? Why? Because those seeds will grow. Yeah. When you put them out there, they will germinate and grow. And you may not see it today. You know, you may make up and kissy-kissy and whatever else. But, hey, listen, somewhere down the road, that's going to pop its head out. And you're gonna wonder, where did that come from? Why? Because whatever you sow will grow. You have our words, we have our attitudes. Attitude check. You have this stinking attitude, and you constantly have stinking attitudes in your marriage against your spouse, and you just let it go. You're sowing seed. For your future. And then our actions, we say things, we do things, we treat each other in a certain way, and we wonder why the wheels are coming off. This is a principle, guys. This is a foundational principle. And when you get it and you understand it, you can use it for God's glory. Say, why? Because this is the way he set it up, Right? It's the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding piece. And and as we walk it out and we apply it to our lives and marriages, we start to realize that God has a plan for our lives. And he can use it for his glory. So the question I have for you today as the worship team comes and we close is, what's in your garden? What's in your garden? Can I challenge you this week? To look at your garden, look at your life, look at your marriage, and just look and see what's growing. And there's, if there's things in that garden that, that you are not proud of or want to continue, then you just need to repent. Everyone say repent. repent. Just God, I'm so sorry that I've planted some seeds for this. I ask, see, repentance is kind of like a weed killer. Amen? It's kind of like a weed killer. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And then begin to sow the right kind of seeds because they will grow. Let's stand. What's in your garden? God wants there to be some beautiful things there. Amen. We talked about beautiful. I want you to have a beautiful relationship with your children. Beautiful relationship with your spouse. Beautiful relationship with your friends. Co-workers. God. Foundation. What's your foundation look like? Do you see your marriage as a covenant or a contract? Are you blaming your spouse for your problems? Are you letting the enemy blow out your candle, not realizing that God did a miracle on your wedding, at your wedding? And have you been sowing the kinds of seeds of destruction by your words and your attitudes and your actions Let's just bow our heads for just a moment. If there's something that I have said today that has challenged you and you need God to intervene and you want prayer, slip up your hands. God bless you all over. Thank you so much for your honesty. See, that's an invitation to God to get involved. When you slip up your hands, it's not just so I can see it. It's just your invitation and your accountability to say, God, I need your help here. So Father, we ask you for your help. You said we have not because we ask not. God, we we don't wanna be guilty of that. We ask you for your help. God, you know what every hand that went up represented. (laughs) That's how much you know us. And I'm asking you, Father, to come alongside of your children and show yourself strong on their behalf. Do a miracle in each of our lives. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us to take our relationship with you seriously and our relationship with others seriously. God, I pray for marriages in this place. Those that are watching online, I pray for marriages and homes. I pray for strong, vibrant, healthy marriages. I break the power of the enemy in the name of Jesus, who has come to kill still and destroy. I terminate his assignment on marriages relationships and I speak life I speak life God help us to plant words of life help us to sow seeds of life not death as you said in your word life and death is in the power of this thing called the tongue help us to use this tool this vessel for your glory Holy Spirit, we surrender. Just say that to him. I surrender to you. We surrender and we invite you to come. Speak to us. Show us. Teach us your ways. Let's just worship him for a couple minutes before we go. If you're thinking about lunch or any of that kind of stuff, just focus on him and what you're asking for him to do just see God coming through on that situation right now.